Ministry Mentorship, Episode 36. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. In this episode, we're going to hear part two of our interview with Pastor Doug White. Brother White is a tremendous preacher who has a heart for training and developing young ministers. And before we get started, I want to encourage you to make plans to watch our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study with our special speaker, Evangelist Michael Easter. Brother Easter is an evangelist who has traveled all over the country reaching lost souls and is a powerful preacher of the gospel. He'll be speaking on the subject, spiritual renewing, and I know that it will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can go to our website and click on the resources link. Now let's join our conversation with Pastor Doug White. I realize, you know, brother, I'm just, the the only way I know how to say it is I'm just a preacher. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not real good at banquets. Somebody's wanting to schedule me for a banquet, I just tell it right up front, buddy. You need to know. (laughs) I'm not, I'm just a preacher. That's all I am. I'm I'm not good at anything else. Uh, But I realize that everybody's not like that. I've had a lot of home mission pastors. You know, going out of here, others that I've met through time that, you know, I know what it's like to send them sermons because they're working 60 hours a week and they're wanting something to look at so they can invest in their new congregation and try to help. I'm not against that. Everybody's not put together like I am. I don't expect everybody to be put together like I am. I don't expect, and, and I'm certainly, please, buddy, understand my heart. I'm certainly not the, the, the perfect specimen of being a pastor. I've never claimed to be that, but I do believe, again, you need to know your ministry, what your ministry is. And if your ministry as a pastor is not the kind that in, can invest in young people and feel comfortable with it, then I feel like there is a responsibility in the ministry for apostolic perpetuation. You need to plug your young men into environments, again, not always Bible school. I'm not against Bible school, but it's not always a Bible school thing. Some of them have got lives that doesn't it, it doesn't leave them available to go to a Bible school. But we have a, a an environment now that we need to plug them into some of the resources. What you're doing out here is absolutely incredible. We need people to have formats. That's the best way I can say it. Right. We need people to have formats right now where if they're hungry to be used to God, they can go to it. Right here in Texas, we have a thing called mantle i'm on the mantle team here in the state of texas and uh what we do is i have to every time they have one uh the nearest i go is almost 300 miles away actually a little over 300 miles away and i go there and we have two or three preachers that have experience that have time behind them that have uh, basically they've got some corn in the crib and then we go and we have uh, Preachers, I think the, the, the cutoff age is like 35, something like that, and 35 and younger, and we'll have 10 preachers and their wives, and we spend the day with them. We we sit, we talk classes, we talk separate, we talk together, our wives are with us. Uh, and I think the goal of the Texas district is that every preacher under 40 is going to have these times where they can sit down with uh, three or four men, you know, once a quarter or, or once every two months, and just they can ask those hard questions. 
one of the things we run into, unfortunately, is you've got preachers that, uh, pastors that are insecure. Uh, I think when a man's doing it right, he's not trying to proselyte somebody. You said something about somebody coming to Sillsby. I've never, ever, ever, you're going to ask any of my neighboring pastors, and I've got a slew of them around here. I've never proselyted anybody's saint. I think that's one of the breakdowns we have. We've had so many unethical ministries in days gone by that it hinders this. But we need formats where these young uh, people can tap in and learn these kind of things, things like you're doing right now, things like this mantle program. Uh, and again, because we live in a technologically advanced society, uh, they've got a lot more opportunities today than I did when I was coming up. And thankfully, my pastor spent some time with me, perhaps not like I do with my young guys, but uh, you know, for that day, he was kind of cutting edge, and if he had preacher's meetings on a regular basis, and that was not common in that day. You already talked about how you were able to travel a little bit with your with your uh, sure. prison ministry that you were doing, and Absolutely. and how you were able to connect with some of these other preachers and and talk just briefly about uh, the value and 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 how you approach that and and maybe if you were to go back and do it again, how you do it differently. <laughs> uh, you mean back in that day, how I connect with other preachers? You mean how I? I uh, connect with the spirit of ministry. What are you referring to? Yeah, I mean, you talked about how you would you would hear them. Uh, you were able to rub shoulders with sure, people sure. like Brother Golder. You know, if you had if you had it over to do it differently, would you ask them more questions? Would you try to take them to lunch? You know, how would you how would you approach that now? Well, I would never do anything outside of my pastor's commission. Period. I never did. I never would have. I think that God honors that. However. Thankfully, my pastor was not so. My pastor was not an insecure individual at all. He was very secure in what he was. I never allowed my pastor to ever think that his role in my life was ever debatable. Period. It just it just never happened. Uh, so I I traveled into a lot of those environments, and you know, one way, believe it or not, that I really got a lot of the heartbeat of ministry, uh, and I would advise any any young preacher back in that day, you know, it was cassette tapes. Even audio wasn't as readily available as it is today. Uh, I, I, every cassette tape I could get my hand on. And then in time, every CD I could get my hand on. I was a, for lack of a better term, I was a tremendous student of preaching. I listened to their styles of preaching. I listened to their heartbeats. Uh, and I learned a lot of what I knew about ministry uh, because technically, my bishop never taught us a lot of the things that I taught, that I teach to a lot of my guys about, you know, sermon construction and how I study and how to try to dig the most out of different scriptures. And uh, bishop never did teach us a lot of that. He taught us to seek God. He taught us if you hear from God, it'll be easy to convey that to a church. Uh, but a lot of what I learned about the heartbeat of preaching, the, the act of preaching, as far as that goes, is I, I had a very healthy hunger for the Word of God. And I, to this day, I still have uh, well over 4,000 uh, preaching cassettes from back in the day. A lot of them I put on MP3s now. So I, I did that, and I, I talked to them. I was never really privileged to sit around a table until I went full-time. I was never really privileged to sit around a table with a lot of preachers and listen to them talk. Uh, you know, I was we came from a little town in southern Indiana, and then when I started evangelizing, there was things there that I heard my bishop, and that was the most important voice in my life. And 
And the one time I, I got out and I had a situation happen when I evangelized, I evangelized eight years before I came here. My bishop left our home church and went back to Brazil as a missionary in Brazil, South America. I called him one time and I asked him, I said, why didn't you ever tell me that there would be this or there would be that? And, and I'll never forget my bishop just cried. He said, because I knew when you got out there, so you'd find that out for yourself. There are mm-hmm. some things about ministry you'll have to find out for yourself. Yeah. But there are other to listen to the heartbeat, listen to the spirit. Uh, and when you are around your pastor, remember I talked about sonship earlier. I wanted to be so close to the purpose of God that my pastor was there for, that when my pastor felt a burden for something, I wanted that to be my burden. I didn't just want, I didn't just want his pulpit. I wanted his prayer life. I wanted his hunger. I wanted his burden. He was the greatest man that ever lived. There was never a man that ever lived in my life like my bishop. But I didn't just want his pulpit. I was very careful about that. I wanted his burden. I wanted his prayer life. I wanted his sincerity. And uh, when it all gets down to it, preaching is not about performance anyway. It's about the heart. And uh, so that helped me. Now, as far as being around other preachers, I was around a lot of other preachers. Uh, you know, when I would go to these places, uh, I'd go hear people preach. I was always going to church, visiting, going to rallies, such as that. But I didn't bug preachers. I mean, I just never did it. I never bugged preachers at all. But when the door would open, again, I always tried to feel their heartbeat, especially through their preaching, because that was, in my day, that was the majority of the exposure I had to their ministry was through their preaching. And uh, ironically, as, as we say that, even my young preachers now, I tell them, don't just listen to Doug White's preaching. I want you to hear other I want you to hear other styles of ministry. I want you to realize everybody's not going to be a screamer like Brother White. Uh, and I even teach my younger preachers that I don't want you just listening to one preacher because all of us can have our favorite preachers. And if we're not careful, that's all you listen to until you begin to emulate their ministry. God didn't call you to be anybody else. God called you to be you. But sometimes as you begin to study the styles of ministry that different ones have, you'll find the area that, that your spirit is comfortable in. You know, Brother White, talk to us just as a closing question here. How do we handle difficult circumstances that come into our lives? Well, uh, as far as difficult circumstances, uh, realistically, uh, sincere prayer and godly counsel is always in order with those things. We have a homecoming. We call it homecoming here every year. In Silsby, when all of my guys, you know, got those 32 guys, when they come back and they'll bring as many of their churches as they can and, you know, as many people as they can, they'll come in. We have a lot of preachers come along. They always have church on Thursday night, Friday night, and then we have Saturday instead of having church Saturday night. We have what my young preachers have started calling our impartation breakfast. And we'll have a big breakfast buffet type deal set up in our fellowship hall. And I literally sat down with my guest speakers and we'll have two, three hours that we just talk. And sometimes it turns into prayer meetings. Sometimes it it turns into to worship. Sometimes it, it turns into laughing. But I spend a lot of time there. This year, one of the things that I talked about to my young preachers is dealing with difficult people. And uh, we don't like to think about it, but the fact is sometimes even sanctified folk it can become hard to deal with. In fact, there's a good book right now. It's called it's, it's out for a long time, and they've got a reprint that was supposed to just come out in November. 
called Well-Intentioned Dragons. And it's talking about how everybody in your church that causes problems are not trying to cause problems. They, they're dragons. They may destroy you with their lips. But the fact is, they've got good intentions, and sometimes you've got to see beyond that. Very good book, uh, as far as that goes. But uh, prayer, godly counsel, never go wrong with those things. Uh, I've learned through time that, sincerely, I've learned through time that sometimes you can create your own problems by getting ahead of God. In the, in the kingdom of God, uh, I do believe that God speaks to us. I do believe that God can deal with us what to preach. And sometimes I believe that God gives us information without instruction. One of the best things that a young preacher uh, can ever learn is there is a magnificent difference between instruction and information. There's sometimes God gives you information to help direct your spirit, to help uh, guide you, to help lead you, to help warn you about things, mistakes you shouldn't make. But when you get somebody who's immature and they're not really taught in those areas, they think that just because God gives them information, they've got to get up and blast somebody from the pulpit, or they've got to walk up and rip somebody in half. And it's just not that way. Timing is everything in God's kingdom. So you can have the right information, but without instruction, you're going to miss God's timing and mess up something. So don't create your own problems. Always wait on God. When I was young, I was very impetuous. I felt like if God dealt with me about something, bless God, let's do it. Well, I've learned through time that God doesn't always want us to just attack something because he gives us a word. Right. That makes sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and sometimes uh, I think as a younger minister, we feel that zeal and that, you know, that passion. And, you know, well, like you said, if God's given it to me, then bless God. Nobody can tell me otherwise. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I think, you know, the Bible does say that, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge and developing Absolutely. a respect for God and uh, and also understanding when the, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. And Absolutely. sometimes that we have uh, a pastor, we have ministers in our lives that, that can speak to us and try to help us you yep. know, knock off those rough areas in our lives. And, of course. You know, encourage that young person right now that might be in that, that stage where maybe they've, they've gotten their feathers ruffled a little bit or maybe they're feeling that that uh i guess the the power grinder of god's uh, leadership and authority in their lives absolutely i uh i know that young preachers go through a plethora of emotions when they feel like god wants to use them especially when they're seeking god for direction they're looking for answers and sometimes you can get down a shape of your man of god because he doesn't have the answer, and he's not going to lie on God and tell you something that God didn't say. Uh, there are so many different emotions that a young man that's striving to be used to God goes through. Again, I mentioned I have a very uh, thorough sermon diary of every message I've ever preached. I've preached over 4,700 times now. That's a lot of preaching. But I can tell you with no hesitation, I, you know, some young preachers feel like because they're nervous and because they... They feel like that they're not really operating. I've preached over 4,700 times. I have never walked to a pulpit without being nervous. Never. I don't care what he... In fact, when they start not being nervous, that's when you get scared. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been tasked with offering something supernatural, and I'm just flesh. And uh, so that that's very important to me. In fact, this is so important to me uh, that I, I have written a book. 
you mentioned earlier about, you know, what would you do the same? What would you do different? Uh, the number one question that I have when I travel, talk to a lot of these ministers' conferences and stuff, they'll ask me, how do you know the will of God? Well, there's some real simple answers for that, even though it's a complex question. But the next important question, the next most often asked question is, Brother White, without fail, they say, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? What would you do the same? Well, I've actually written a book called A Prelude to the Pulpit, and uh, I may never get it published. I've yet to get it published because I guess I still deal with somewhat of an uneasiness knowing where I come from. And, you know, while the son of the town drunk's going to write a book telling people that were raised around this. Uh, but in the, in this book that I've got written, I've dealt with my young preachers a lot. I would, uh, I'd simply deal with the things that I'd do over again, things that I would change, things that I wouldn't change. Uh, for instance, I would have invested myself in some kind of project that would have kept my spirit busy, my heart anchored, something that would have benefited me more. Let me encourage every young preacher out there invest yourself in something to benefit your ministry and to benefit that church. I've noticed that when it really benefits the church, it benefits your ministry anyway. On the other hand, one of the things that I did right is I had a death grip on a man of God. Uh, I, I, I would have found ways to teach more Bible studies. I, I regretted not investing more time in that area. But on the other hand, one of the things, and, and, and I'll close with this, just to show you the kind of stuff that young preachers I deal with a lot. Uh, one of the best things that I ever did is I spent a lot of time alone with the church praying. I didn't have to pray with everybody. And, and those times, my brother, were not just screaming at God. After I finished praying, I don't care how passionate, how broken, how anything, I learned how to sit and listen to the voice of God because I knew in years to come, my ministry would eventually need to know how to recognize the voice of God. So I learned how to hear the voice of God by intentionally setting down when I get done praying, sitting down after I get done pouring my heart, my spirit out. I would intentionally sit down and listen for God until I learned how to recognize the voice of God. So let me encourage every young preacher, every individual out there, it doesn't matter what you're going through, Somewhere, somehow, above everything else in your world, you're going to have to know the voice of God. Learn how to listen for His voice. Learn what's personal impulses uh, as compared to what is really the voice of God. It's just that important. Amen. Thank you for that, Brother White. And I wonder, in closing, if if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that while you've been speaking, their heart's been stirred, and, and they're saying, you know what, I need to apply these these principles to my life. Can you just take a minute now and say a prayer over them? Absolutely. God, in your name, I'm asking you, God, by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, to find every heart, every sincere soul, God, that's out there that wants to do something for you. Help them, God, to know their boundaries. Help them, God, to know their strengths. Help them, God, to recognize their weaknesses. God, I'm asking you right now to touch their heart, Lord, with a spirit that never allows ambition to take them out of your will, and God, that never allows timidity to somehow hold them back from being everything that you want them to be. Let the sincerity of their heart, God, rise up. Let them get a good grip on submission to spiritual authority, and Father, Above all else, let them learn how to find your voice, because without your voice, God, we can't do the work of God. We're not smart enough to do the work of God. Lord, we're not able to do the things that need to be done. So right now, God, I'm praying that you get every young man, 
every young lady direction that wants to be used of you and let them feel the power of the Holy Ghost that begins to lead them and guide them to everything, God, that you want them to be. Now, God, I'm asking you to do this for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brother White, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we just appreciate your ministry, and, and uh, if you ever get that book out, we'd love to make it available to our to our listeners. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Well, you're so kind. I don't know that I'll ever do it because, like I said, just that element of intimidation. But the fact is, uh, I really wish that, uh, that we had more resources for our young preachers, and I appreciate what you do what you're trying to provide for them, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, buddy. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.